You're listening to Bike Talk. This is Saturday, March 27th. We're going to hear from a speaker at the L.A. Street Summit that took place last weekend at Trade Tech Community College. And this next speaker is Carl Anthony. Carl Anthony is the founder of an organization called Breakthrough Communities. And he's made some points that are critical to the livable streets movement. subsidies went into building our freeways. 
And now we're in a situation um, where uh, some 60 years later, the schools are more segregated than they were uh, in 1954. So we're in a situation where things that are connected to our quality of life are not necessarily the intentional connection that people have made. And we're about to embark across the country, but in California here, on a new initiative. We're coming to the end of the old vision of metropolitan regions and coming to a new vision. And in this new vision, we are um, uh, hoping to accomplish many things. We heard about safety, we heard about greenhouse gas emissions, we heard about sustainability. And we're in the process now of trying to shape, we, the large we, is trying to shape a new vision of our metropolitan regions. And there is a, um, there's really good hope that this might come about. There is a challenge, however, and there is a risk that if we uh, are not conscious of the interconnections between all of these things, the, um, our effort to create a new reality may, in fact, create another, a new uh, vision of uh, segregation in our society. So we have, we're, stand, we're at the edge where we have the opportunity to create a new vision that is more inclusive, that includes many other uh, dimensions or one which is more uh, segregated. So the main point that I want to make, and I'm uh, going to go through these images with you rather quickly, but the main point that I want to make is that rebuilding and re-inhabiting the American metropolitan regions provide a crucial opportunity to address racism uh, and uh, social justice. So um, the way forward, as we see it, is very important to reach out and to have community organizing, civic engagement in uh, communities of color that are linked to these transformative activities. In fact, many of our communities... And that was Carl Anthony. Sorry, it ended right in the middle of his sentence. But this audio was provided to us by Damien Newton of LA Streets Blogs, lastreetsblog.org. And this is from the Street Summit at Trade Tech last week. Next, we're going to hear an excerpt from Charles Gandhi, who spoke after lunch. Charles Gandhi is the Long Beach Mobility Coordinator, and he spoke at Street Summit. Uh, such as Long Beach, the most bicycle-friendly city in America. 
Uh, she's talking about political will. She's talking about getting our electeds to be responsive to us as a political constituency. Is that why you're here? Yeah. And then she's talking about the role of experimentation and of innovation and pilot projects and things that we haven't seen in Southern California before, but we have seen them in Europe, we have seen them in New York, and in fact, we're starting to see them in places like Long Beach. Are you going to be a part of that movement? This is the Bible for our movement. It's called Peddling Revolution. Jeff Mapes wrote it. Jeanette Seda Kahn, among others, is quoted in this book. Let me read a little bit about her. Um, she's talking about uh, uh, what's going on in, in uh, uh, New York, what's going, what has happened in Portland, what has happened in Seattle, and what is emerging in Long Beach and other cities in Southern California. Uh, she's talking, let's see. She's talking about uh, protected bikings, such as that image that I shared with you a moment ago. Uh, Sayyid Khan talked about creating a luxurious experience for the biker that recognizes their role in the transportation network. She said she hoped that at least a uh, double number of cyclists in the city, uh, to grow the, the number of cyclists in the city, and described how she wanted to rid urban cycling of the image of something done only by a, ra a radical fringe. Quote, I enjoy my, uh, biking, but as my son will tell you, I'm hardly radical, she said. We really want to change the paradigm of how cyclists are looked at by promoting cycling as fun, sexy way to get around the city. Should it be different in Los Angeles? No. Yes, it is. It's a lot easier. We've got better weather. <laughs> yeah, but we've got a different mayor. <laughs>
Tatsumi Man, who is a uh, steel magnolia in Long Beach. We took citizens saying to elected officials, we want Long Beach to become a great place for riding bikes. The city council saying to the city manager, let's follow that vision and let's see where that takes us. He put Sumi on raising money, and in the first three years, three years uh, uh, from, uh, since the last three years, she has raised $17 million for bicycle projects, bicycle education, training our cops, training our bus operators, doing public awareness campaigns on bike safety for, from a motorist point of view, from a cyclist point of view, and funding the experiments that are driving the agenda in Long Beach. She is a key reason why we are politically effective in implementing the policies that we have. As a professional, I want to introduce you to, she's not here, but I want to introduce you to Sunni Gant. So, the campaign, the campaign uh, has a number of features to it. We've been benchmarking in, in progressive cities all over the country. Uh, we have planned to put bicycle lanes or chairs on every major arterial in the 52 miles square, uh, uh, 52 square miles of Long Beach. Uh, that means bread and butter stuff such as bike lanes. That means, and by the way, we'll be doing 20 miles worth of new facilities in the next six months in Long Beach with the funds that we have in place right now. Uh, we'll be experimenting with bike boxes such as this. We'll be experimenting with a uh, with what. Jeanette showed us in New York, Long Beach will be the second city in the nation. To take streets such as this, look at that parking space on the right side because it's going to become that. And then I'm coming up. This project is funded. We put the uh, uh, bids out. We have the bids back. We're going to start construction on this in eight weeks in Long Beach, California. This is one way, this is Broadway on 3rd Street in the opposite direction, all the way across downtown Long Beach. It goes, uh, look at the left side of this street because it's going to become that. As the man pointed out, we're selling this as a complete street model. We're pulling cyclists off the sidewalk where they're hitting pedestrians. We're separating them from motors so that they feel protected. We still, as experienced cyclists, have all the rights to the road on those two remaining lanes, but we're taking a car travel lane and converting that to a protected bike lane in downtown Long Beach because we know from the experiences in Europe and New York City that this is the future of bicycling in America. Are you part of that? Yeah. on bike boulevards that originally we had designed, excuse me, designed five uh, traffic circles. But we've learned something by talking to our citizens in Long Beach, and that is they're, they've traveled. They've seen what a, a traffic circle is, and they're not afraid of it. They've ridden bikes, and they're not afraid of it. They've seen what's going on in Europe. They see what's going on in Portland and Seattle and other places. And so instead of installing five traffic circles along this roughly one-and-a-half-mile route, they requested that we put traffic circles in two additional intersections to reduce the conflicts between motorists and bicycles and to slow down motorists in their neighborhoods, and we said yes. Seven instead of five traffic circles on Vista Bike Boulevard being, uh, 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 it has been designed, it's being constructed this summer. I want to invite you down about the middle of July uh, to do a ride on the first bike boulevard in Southern California. No telling what's going to happen. 
also been something that, uh, another federal experiment that is changing the conversation related to bicyclists and motors in Long Beach. Uh, we, on 2nd Street and Belmont Shore, went out with city money and did again what Jeanette suggested uh, is a sound political tactic, and that is over a period of two days we used $10,000 of our money to paint these stripes on a, um, through Belmont Shore, a, a business district that is very healthy. Uh, but they were having problems with uh, bicyclists on the sidewalk because they didn't feel comfortable in the street. We put this stripe down and invited bicyclists to ride where those of us that are experienced cyclists recognize it's safer than the sidewalk, safer than the door zone, and on this particular street, in this particular case, it's been a good design. We've had some 7 million motorists come through uh, since last June when we painted this stripe, and some 150,000 cyclists have used this route. And we've had exactly two minor bicyclists caused crashes along that route. Our safety record is better with the green lane than before the Green Lane. That's what they're talking about in New York. They're reducing their fatalities and crashes by 50%. Can we do better than that in Los Angeles? Yeah. It's very popular. You know what? This is the authority figure. That is the city of Long Beach saying, we want you to ride here. You are a valued citizen. We're only That Green Lane only articulates what existing law is. We didn't change the law. We're just articulating it differently. Most bicyclists, bicyclists that ride that green lane now feel a sense of um, uh, that, that they're being validated, that the, the, the authority figure is saying to them, ride here. And they're also saying to motors, expect to share this lane. Did the sky fall? No. Is everybody happy about it? No. Do we have opposition to this? Yes. And do we have bicyclists that are inspired by it and business owners that are reaping the benefits of that today because we've done something different in Long Beach? Yes. We're going to continue this. We're going to do more of these. And we want to encourage you in Los Angeles and every place else in Southern California to get on an experiment and implementation schedule because the more of this we do, the more of the bread and butter bike lanes and sharrows uh, become routine. We don't need to be fighting block by block for this stuff. We need to be doing this systemically. We need to be doing it in every neighborhood. And we need to, need to be doing it today. Are you with me? Yeah. And we need to be putting in bike uh, parking. And we need to be converting parking spaces to bike corrals. Bike stations. Uh, bike hub, we just put in, in in response to and inspired by the bike kitchens in Los Angeles. Thank you for giving us the vision. We have one now in, uh, Los, in uh, Long Beach. We have a bike festival in Long Beach where we celebrate racers of all stripes, and then we are in the business of changing the cultural norms in Long Beach as well, and so we're paying attention to fashion. And we're giving guys like Patrick Bowdle an opportunity to validate what we're doing, to put his artwork on our agenda, and to be a part of what's new in Long Beach. Now, we're the stewards of change in Long Beach. Uh, those of us that are driving this political agenda, citizens, electives, and uh, professionals, are doing something different there. And it's causing all kinds of anxiety and uh, hand-holding and, uh, on the other hand, uh, people are getting kind of excited about this. And they see that we can do something in Long Beach that we have been in the past told we didn't have permission to do. And that's because some people are part of this movement that aren't waiting for permission. They're going out and
things happen. Do you want to be a part of that movement? Yeah. All right. So as far as the elected is concerned, let me just suggest to you, as a recovering politician from Texas, I, uh, I served in the Texas House for a long time. I can tell you that elected come uh, in all shapes and sizes, and you've got some good ones in, uh, in City Hall now, and you need to elect some better ones in other places. Uh, I want to encourage you, though, uh, we've got a solid agenda, uh, again, back to what Jeanette said, a combination of uh, safety and sexy will sell. It's selling, in, it's selling in New York, it's selling in Long Beach, it'll sell here. Let me tell you about the professionals that we have in place. You've got plenty of people who haven't learned anything since 1950 that are part of the uh, professional uh, cadre in Southern California, in every one of these cities. You also have here people like Rock Miller, who is our uh, one of our traffic engineers in Los or, uh, Long Beach, that is skilled at doing this stuff. You don't need to hire, uh, and they've got on-call contracts with the city of Los Angeles. We need to be asking them to do something different. Citizens need to be talking to elected officials about doing something different, and those elected officials need to be guiding their professionals to say, either you learn how to do this, or let's uh, uh, take the professionals that we have on board and uh, change their vision from car-oriented culture to a complete street culture, bring them up in the as, a, as authority figures within the uh, Departments of Transportation and, and Public Works in Los Angeles and other cities, make them the new rock stars in, uh, among our professionals, celebrate what they're doing, and listen to them. That's your role as an activist. Your role is to push this agenda. If you don't do it, it won't happen. And as stewards of this community, it's our turn. That was Charles Gandhi, the mobility coordinator for Long Beach at the LA Street Summit last week. And here on the phone, hey. we got Chicken Lula. Hey, Chicken Lula. Hey, your man about town, Chicken Lula. I'm uh, actually getting ready for the uh, Cycle Girls Tweet Ride. I guess it meets up at Hollywood High. Wow. I have no idea where we're going to go, but somebody told me that it's catered. So catering, for all the people that, that don't know about art studios and stuff like that, cater means food. <laughs> And the Cycle Girls do some great stuff. Cater, who would have thought that a uh, four-little thing that, uh, that uh, it's not even a four-letter word. I think it's a five-letter word. Cater, C-A-T. Anyway, yeah. that's beside the point. That's one of the bike events going on. And well, then um, well, afterwards. You want to say what the Tweed Ride is? The Tweed Ride? Oh, well, we all dress up in Tweed, and we it's a slow ride put on by the Cycle Girls to uh, sort of, Sprout new ideas about transportation, and it's the high end of the rides, and it's low impact. So this is the ride to introduce your girlfriend that you always say, "Yeah, I want to drag her around on a ride," but they're really too fast on those. So, so who are the Cycle Girls, and where are you guys going? Well, the Cycle Girls are, uh, I guess, they're from Pasadena. I don't really know exactly, and they're probably going to get all like, "Oh my God, we're not from Pasadena," but they're in, uh, let's just say, northeast of Los Angeles, 
and they're doing a ride um, because they want to show you how much fun it is to put something between your legs, uh, specifically a bicycle. And, uh, Cycle is an organization. I, I'm making light of it, but they've done a lot of uh, uh, infrastructure oh, oh, into white people. Okay, I, it's Cycle, C-I-C-L-E. C-I-C-L-E, right. yeah. Okay. Not, not Sickle, but Cycle. So, right. Bicycle, Bicycle. So it's C-I-C-L-E. Cyclists inciting change through life exchange, I think it is. C-I-C-L-E dot org. Yeah, there you go. And they, they used to have another website. I think it was bikenow.org. But between the two of them, you can find out about how you yourself can get involved in cycling from the lowest level of like, oh, I don't even know what kind of bike to get. I don't even know how to ride a bike. And they have really informative uh, clinics on showing you how to ride. And then lately, I think uh, there's been two people that have joined them. Uh, one, that we all know, Joe Litton is head of uh, telling us about not only the history of the L.A. River because he wrote a book, but also about how we can improve some of the infrastructures with some of the projects that they've done around uh, the country and that they might be installing, installing here in uh, the area. Um, I did see Joe down at the, uh, the big bike summit. He was responsible with uh, Ramon for putting it together, and they did a great job with uh, Robert Gottlieb, who did Reinventing Los Angeles. And it wasn't just about bikes, but it was also about how to improve the streets just for everyone, including, dare I say, the car, because if you improve streets, you're, by virtue of improving them, you improve some of the, the pitfalls that the car itself is, is sort of caused. And, and there's some really great coverage on LAStreetsBlog.org. There is, and in fact, uh, myself, Chicken Leather, we're going to be playing some of uh, the Janicon. I know that some people called in and said, or commented that, they couldn't hear a lot of it uh, last yeah. week yeah. Uh, because of the surface noise. But you know what? That's just a joke. We've got a better recording today, and we're going to play some of it tonight on Talk is Still Cheap um, okay. 6 to 8. Also, uh, just for all you Native Americans, and this isn't to pigeonhole anybody because of this census thing, they're, 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 they're having a big powwow slash band slash food slash entertainment kind of thing going on from noon to five down at the uh, L.A. Historic uh, State Park down there near uh, Not a Cornfield. In fact, it used to be the Not a Cornfield site, but they're um, having a lot of booths so you can enjoy your stuff while I guess you fill out those ten questions. Have you filled out your census yet, Dick? No, but I'm... All right. Well, maybe Medium Animal did it for you. But anyway, that's just one thing. I know that the Very Be Careful is playing down at the Bordello later tonight, too. Very Be Careful, one of our favorite friends. And then tomorrow morning, I know you're going to get up early for Feel My Legs, right? Ten of those hills. <laughs> yeah, well, you laugh, huh? I mean, it's a nervous laugh. I've been, I've been working out just to follow the guys that go up the hills. And that, that in itself is like, oh, my God. I yeah, the Feel My Legs. Are, so we have, like, the ten steepest uh, hills. In oh, the yeah. Well, if they're not the steepest hills, they're pretty pretty good hills. I, I would say they're, they're, they're not off the cat. And by that I mean they're not, you can categorize them, but I think they're, they might be cat, cat twos, cat ones, maybe even cat unheard of. But uh, they're going to do Elridge, they're going to do Baxter, of course Fargo, and a couple of other hills that you never knew were in Los Angeles. You're going, how did they ever build this hill? How did they ever pave it? So, so where does the uh, Tweed Ride meet and where does the Okay, the Tweed Ride meets 
at Holly at Hollywood High, and um, Veronica is like going, "Come on, come on, come on!" They're meeting today at noon, and I guess food gets served before we go on this little ride for a couple hours and check out some of the the glom or the seminary, as they say in Hollywood. And then uh, tomorrow, feel my legs is at the little triangle there where they have the farmers market, I guess in uh, Silver Lake across from the dollar store. What is that? Uh, Maltman and Sunset, mm-hmm. kind of around there. That's tomorrow. I think they start promptly at eight because they got to finish by one. Because afterwards, they're having a huge veg thing, vegan thing in Elysian Park where it ends from uh, one to dark. So you should where, uh, where check in it out. Elysian Park will that end for people who want to crash it? Right. Check it out at Swarm. Okay. Well, Swarm. Swarm. I think it's Swarm.com. Swarm.org. I don't have the flyer in front of me, but you should have it there. Well, have a great ride. Yeah, and then and then tomorrow night, the last thing, if you're not too tired from all this, Chicken Leather is going to show some of the bike infrastructure over at the Bike Oven, uh, about 7, 8-ish. And if you've ever been to a film night over at the Bike Oven, um, it's, it's kind of fun. It's what we do. And it's a real cool spin because we're going to show some surrealist films to go in unison with our art exhibit that cool. uh, Black Woman Sidekick is put on. We don't know what surrealist films are because, hey, that's how surrealist films are. <laughs> but we're definitely going to show some bike films in there. And the address? Uh, 3706 North Figueroa. Thank you. All right. Peace out. Tell right, Radio is going to save your life. Thanks. Bye. Bye. That was Chicken Leather, and you've been listening to Charles Gandhi at the L.A. Street Summit last week. He had some good thoughts. It very, sounded very inspirational. sounded like people were really into it. The last speaker on the Streets Blog site is uh, Lydia Avilia of the Eastside Community Development Corporation. And she talks about how Boyle Heights, uh, people are living in public space, but that the area is being gentrified. Uh, so what we've done with community residents in Boyle Heights is really 
work with them to get them involved in land use, which sounds a little academic, right? So we had to bring it down to the street level and really talk about, okay, $4 billion are coming into our neighborhood, and for who, and for what? And so we had this big consultation process that is still barely wrapping up about what do you think needs to happen in our neighborhood to make it a livable, healthy neighborhood for the people that live here. What is really going to solve the problems that have been around in our community since the 1930s and 40s when it was shaped by segregation and land use has always shaped our neighborhood. And now there's an opportunity where land use will shape our neighborhood again. And hopefully through the work of the residents, um, you'll see that our neighborhood is going to become a place where people are going to keep thriving. Um, so we did this community planning process. The city, we're actually far ahead from the city. Um, we developed our own community plan called El Plan del Pueblo. And in it, we had this consultation, just look at this corner. Let's go out and measure it. Is it walkable? What's the obstacles that you face when you're trying to go out and do your errands on a daily basis? And people became planners for a day, and they're still planners now because they see their neighborhood in a way of gauging that reinvestment for themselves through affordable housing, through land use, through public spaces being public. So really, we had to change the way people thought about the community and how we were going to keep making it our community. As you all know, we're very famous for our street culture. Those of you that had food today, you know, Boyle Heights is always the epicenter of all the drama and always street culture. culture. Um, criminalization of low-income people is during the gentrification process that we're hopefully um, holding the door on. That's a really big problem for us. Street vending was one of the first things. The Goldline Grand opening um, coincided with one of, the, one of the biggest crackdowns that our neighborhood has had um, for, on the street vending issue. Um, so Nina's vendedores could tell you all the stories about their interactions with the police and city officials and the bureaus and the administrations that we didn't even know exist and came out of the woodwork. So right now we're really facing what could be called the cleanup of our neighborhood. And what that means is getting people off the street. So one of our strategies is to keep the public spaces public. <laughs> as funny as that sounds, um, in low-income neighborhoods, public spaces are usually spaces that either aren't safe to use them or the police wants to keep people off of them so that there won't be any problems because, you know, all low-income people are criminals in their point of view. Um, so one of our efforts has been through the design of the pilot, the pilot, the Nighttime Farmers Market pilot program, which will, you can learn a little bit more about that at the workshop at 2 o'clock on the street vending in Royal Heights. And then also the community benefits agreement, because now that the goal line is up, there's going to be new developments around the staging areas or the station, affordable housing. We want our neighborhood to be for the people that live there. And that's part of having street culture in LA, that for people, that all people have a right to be on the streets, that there's benches for people. We don't want to keep people locked in their houses all day that there's affordable housing, and more importantly, that there are jobs and employers located in our neighborhood. If there's a strategy that's going to make communities more walkable, it's having the resources and the services that community members need in the communities that people live. Most of our people are actually... <laughs> For 
stomach, biking is an alternative method of transportation. But in our community, walking, biking, skateboarding, that is the only method of transportation. Um, so we're looking at it as a daily quality of life issue, not necessarily like an alternative, let's develop something that can change the way people walk, but it's a daily survival, how am I going to get to work type of issue. Um, so those are just a little bit about um, our work in Wall Heights, and really, it is a street issue. Now that we've seen, and I've talked about Gottlieb and other folks at Oxy, what we're doing is about taking back the streets for the people that use the streets, which in Wall Heights is the tenants, the punk rockers, the skaters, the people like me, and the families. Because a lot of the, the conversations about you know adults using bikes or adults walking, it's a family issue as well and a working class issue. So thank you. That was Lydia Avilia of the Eastside Community Development Corporation at the Street Summit at Trade Tech last week. And here in the studio we have Lisa Auerbach, who's doing the bike night at the Hammer Museum this April 8th. So how are you doing today? Good. <laughs> have you been on radio before? Um, a long time ago, once. So well, basically, no. Well, I'm glad you made it today. So I hear that you are um, the person who came up with the idea of bike night at the um, Hammer. Yeah, last year was the first bike night at the Hammer, and it was really super great and successful. And so they wanted to have another one. So tell me, how did that? Yeah, how did that come about the first time? Last year, and I was uh, last year I was in a show at the Hammer called Nine Lives, and the education and programming department wanted ideas from the artists in the show for films or events or something that would kind of go along with the show and I wanted to do a event that was inclusive for cyclists and show breaking away and then it sort of became more more and more um, bike a, a bike extravaganza we got the LACBC to do bike valet and we had some bands and free vegan food and then we showed Breaking Away kind of as the centerpiece. Also, I mean, kind of at the same time, the exhibition galleries were open late and free of charge. So people could come in and, and go to the museum and, and see the spaces and then also eat and see the film and all of that. One of the reasons I wanted to do it is because I often go to openings or museums on my bicycle and I find inadequate facilities for biking and Sometimes people know me in galleries, so I can kind of get away with bringing my bike inside, but I, I often get people give me odd looks or whatever, and I was kind of sick of being the only cyclist at a at a museum, and so I wanted to open it up and, and bring cyclists in. And so now we have an institution, a yearly bike night at the Hammer. <laughs> me, potentially. I and mean, they were really excited about all of the kind of fresh fresh blood that was coming in off the streets for this event and I think the Hammer is a really great institution and has a ton of great progressive programming and talks and films and a lot of stuff that's free of charge all the time and, and so for me inviting people into this institution which I really think is a great one mm -hmm. um, made a lot of sense I also should note that the director of the institution um, Ann Philbin 
rode her bicycle across the country at age 28. Mm. So she was also really sympathetic and excited about getting cyclists in, into the museum. And so as an artist, can tell me about, you, you started off with an exhibition at the Hammer, which is not, which is not nothing. I mean, that's a pretty good <laughs> gig, right? Yeah. I mean, I was in a group show last year. Yeah. Called Nine Lives. Called, yeah. So. Uh-huh. And do you want to tell me about a little bit about your art, about what kind of stuff you do? Um, I do a variety of work in a lot of different mediums, including uh, zines and kind of writing text work, and then photographs and a lot of sweaters. So I, in the in the Hammer exhibition, it was a lot of sweaters and then some photographs also. Hmm. But mostly I think people know the sweaters right now. Hmm. Somebody uh, told me about they're they're making a sweater out of recyclable materials, but that wasn't you. No. Was um, well, let, so then I, I know that the burrito project catered the last one, or they were one of the people who provided food. I don't think it was. It wasn't them. them. Am I no, wrong? we. Have, it's a it kind of a huge issue with the um, the hammer and their catering contract. Mm-hmm. So. I had insisted that it be vegan food, and because they have a contract with Wolfgang Puck for the food in the courtyard, it became this big kind of issue. But we pushed it through, and they ended up having a a vegan barbecue and got vegan sausages, and I think some of it was donated. But we couldn't do the kind of grassroots, like, self-catered affair that I would have really liked to have. This year, I think it's going to be burrito buffet. Mm. I'm not really sure. Um, Matt Rossigno... Uh, helped to figure out the food with the mm-hmm. people that are in charge of the food part, which I'm not. But I got in touch with him, and, and he's a vegan who's also a nutritionist. And so he helped get the menu together. So, and this is free? It's free. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, if you want food, get there early, because last year it was really, really, really crowded, and uh-huh. the food line went all the way around the courtyard. So if you want to eat, I recommend you get there so, so you're getting the word out this time, too, like yeah, you did last time? I'm not as involved as I was last time because, you know, last year was like the first one and it was my event and I really went out and talked to people about it a lot. Mm-hmm. This year, the Hammer Students Association has taken over a lot of the organizing and within the Hammer, they're organizing it. So I got to choose the film and I'm associated with it, I guess, as the, I don't know, the founder or whatever. That's great. But I'm not as as like involved. Well, let's talk about the film. Last time you showed Breaking Away, which is a good bike movie. Yeah. It's an awesome. And you were bike talking movie. about the different elements. Yeah. I, I I saw Breaking Away, I guess, um when it came out, and then I saw it again maybe 10 or 15 years ago um in a hotel room, and I remember just feeling so overwhelmed by just the the bicycling and the love of bicycling in that film and i and i think it kind of restarted me riding again after not riding for a few years mm-hmm. um i think that that film has so many elements that are not just about bicycling but also about um inventing yourself or acting through on your passions um it has a lot of interesting stuff about class in it and kind of overcoming barriers and it's just a really interesting film over and above the fact that it has bicycling as the uh, hero in it so this year 
we wanted to do another bike film and, and it was, it's, I think it's tough to pick a film that incorporates more than just cycling. That's not just about a race or, you know, about a event, but is about more, more of the culture of, of cycling and Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I saw that when it came out and I haven't seen it since, but I mm. recall that there was a lot of um, bicycling and that he was really in love with his red bicycle, which I think disappears or something in the beginning. And Right. And that sets off the whole adventure, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's what you're showing yes. at the bike night this yes. time on the 8th. Yeah. And you have some kind of special guest coming? Yeah, we have a very secret special guest coming. Is, is this the special. kind of secret that you can't even tell Kill Radio and KPFK? <laughs> or? I don't think I'm allowed to tell... I don't know. I think it's, we don't want to get people's hopes up in case there's a problem or something. Um, I've been told to talk about, or for the poster, I was told, be sure to write down that there's a special secret guest. Well, can we, can we say, look, this may not happen. Don't get your hopes up, but here's who might come. Um, well, I think that given the title of the film, and the idea that it's bike night and uh, that it's the hammer and they're often able to get really awesome people in, I think that it's pretty easy to guess who, who the secret special guest might okay. be. Okay, so, so the clues are the title of the film, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, <laughs> and that the hammer can get anyone they want. Yeah, basically. Okay. okay. Yeah. So we'll just have to use our imaginations. Right, right. Okay. Right. And, but and that's who might come. We're hoping. I mean, I'm hoping because I would like die if he came to. If and it's he. Or if he or she might show up, I, I think I would just faint. Okay. Well, I will just have to leave that up to <laughs> the viewers and the listeners' imaginations. But you should come not for the secret special guest, but you should come for yeah. the whole event. Well, I'm coming for the food. Come for the food. Come early for the food. And the valet, the bike valet. Bike valet, come early for that. It did fill up last time, which I just think is an awesome sign for bicycling in Los Angeles, that we can fill up bike valet at a museum that's like way the, way over on the other side of town. Yeah. Can you tell us where it is exactly in Cross Street? It's on the corner of Wilshire and Westwood Boulevard. Um, It's the north east corner and the bike valley will be on Lindbrook which is one street north of Wilshire parallel to Wilshire so you should definitely come by bike because it's not easy to park there right or is it I shouldn't say that that's that's negative I, it's actually it's easy super easy to have a parking lot it's like three dollars but um, if you should come by bike because I always, it's bike night I always try when I go to UCLA I always try to find a free spot and that's hard on your Can bike or that? in your car on my car when oh. I drive yeah, that's really hard. Okay, so. But there but were, last bikes. year there were some rides. I I started a ride from uh, like the bicycle district, I guess you call it now, and mm-hmm. there were about 60 or 70 people that rode together over to the Hammer, and that was last year for bike night. Will there be rides to the bike night? If people organize them, there will be. I don't know if I'm going to organize one again. I actually got three flat tires last year during mm-hmm. bike night, and I haven't gotten one since. So, wow. Um, I'm not sure if I'll if I'll do a ride or not. You think that that was there was some kind of universe type message about having an organized ride to bike night? Um, no, I just I don't. No, I don't. Okay. I don't. I don't believe in organi- in uh, universal, universal messages. messages from outer space. Telling That's me healthy that, of you. 
of that bike night's not a good idea. But You're probably well adjusted. I um, yeah, I don't live in the area here. I live south, so. Um, I, if I organized ride from near where I live, it mm-hmm. would be me. Only. Okay, but there may be organized rides. There may, yeah. I mean, last year there was like a whole thread on Midnight Riders about the event, and maybe there's, maybe I don't know if there is one. I guess I should post something up there. Yeah, yeah. So I've not been very good with my um, outreach this time. Well, you know, you're the founder. You can you can rest. I'm, I'm slacking off yeah. on outreach. Um, well, so I hope that there's many more. And and uh, you're thinking, are you thinking of next year's movie and uh, theme or sub theme? Um. Mm, well, I had a list, and now I can't remember what's on the list. I think the the one there's that animation film. Do you know what I'm talking about? Triplets of Bellevue, Bellevue, which I, Bellevue. I tried to watch and I couldn't even get through it. I, I don't think that's going to happen for Bike Night. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that one scene in a Truffaut film where the young boys are sniffing the bicycle seat that the woman, I think it, she might even be a nun, mm-hmm. leaves, which is kind of a great scene. But I don't think the film is about bicycling. So, mm-hmm. or you could show clips from, like could, bike clips. Yeah. yeah, we we could do that. I mean, the thing about the hammer is that the Billy Wilder Theater, mm-hmm. which is on site, has an incredible projection system, oh. and they're able to get films in thirty-five millimeter. And so, it's really mm-hmm. a great opportunity to actually see a film. Is the Bicycle Thief a good movie about bikes? I haven't seen good it. Good bike movie. I, that was on the list of movies to look at, but uh-huh. I haven't I haven't checked it out yet. Um, and then there's the Bike Film Festival. Yes, yes. Which and would make a lot of sense. Yes. I mean, the issue with the Bicycle Film Festival is that that's a for-profit venture, uh-huh. and the Hammer has, I don't know what they have, but they cannot charge admission for any of their events, which uh-huh. is awesome, but yeah. it also makes it not a place where the Bike Film Festival could happen, because I had spoken to the Hammer about getting involved with the Bicycle Film Festival or maybe some of their shorts, but because there's no admission charge, it becomes more difficult. Um, and well, the the BFF they can't just let it be free one night, and I don't know. Okay, it's an idea. I don't know what Brent is planning or when. You know, he's so busy with his world. And then there's the bike part. porn festival. I don't know about that. Which I saw recently. I don't know about that one. It's bike porn. Like, but porn. I don't know if it would be appropriate. Well, it for a general what you audience. Mean by yeah, I, I thought at first it was like just like pictures of great pedals and, and yeah, bike parts and stuff. But then it, I went and it was actually uh, people like pornography with a bike theme. So there were like bikes and people having uh, all kinds of uh, exchanges. Hmm, I don't know about people that. People with bikes, people and bikes, hmm. people on bikes. That sounds sweaty. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. It was fun. They, people were how talking many, back to the How many films screen. are there of that genre? <laughs> They're on tour right now. Um, I should get in touch with them. Um, Reverend Phil from Portland is the oh, one yeah. who does it. Yeah. yeah? Yeah. I think there was probably 15 or something in the... Wow. And I wonder, are they made specifically for that festival, or is this a, something that's been called from the... 12,000 films released every year by the adult industry here in Los Angeles. Oh, I don't think any adult industry films were in it. I, I don't think oh, they make Oh, it's all like stuff. amateur? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, amateur is kind of, I mean, that's... Well, that's a big segment in porn yeah. now, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, that's not 
it's not um, completely out of the question. I mean, the Hammer has adventurous programming. I don't know if there they're going to into and it's nighttime. Yeah, all adults. Yeah, it's good. It's a good. It's a good idea to look into. Um. So, how do we get out of bike porn into another topic? Next year. Why would you want to? (laughs) All right, just let's talk. So yeah, so next year, well, we're we're still on this year because next year we haven't quite even figured out. You know, it could be a bust this year. Maybe no one will show up, and then we won't have it next year. But let's hope that people will show up, and they'll another successful hammer program. Well, I know free food, right? I'm pretty. I'm pretty intent on going. It's super fun, and also showing at the hammer is the Rachel White Reed exhibition of drawings, and. Oh, my God, I can't remember what else is showing. Is it the Yoon book, the Book of Dreams, maybe? Hmm. Or the Rembrandt drawings? I can't, or etchings. Well, it's good to just... I look on the website and find out. The Hammer website. It's hammer.ucla.edu, and then -hmm. you can find out what's up. And so this is sponsored by Whole Foods? Whole Foods. Swarm. Yeah. And the Hammer Student Association. Right. And the Hammer. And the Hammer. The hammer, I put the logo up on the hammer. Oh, you designed the flyer? Yeah. It's nice. Thanks. Um, and you are also a teacher? Yes. Art teacher? Yeah. At? At Pomona, Pomona. College. Yeah. Yes. That's good. And is that a like a part-time? No. Full-time? Yeah. That's pretty glamorous, the life of a pr- professor. At yeah. An art professor. Yeah, I have a very glamorous lifestyle. Unfortunately, my glamorous lifestyle made me have to buy a car this year. Oh, yeah. And drive to work, which is weird. Oh, yeah, Pomona. Sorry. It's Pomona super is... far. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, it's it's glamorous without, except for the driving part, but mm-hmm. it's fun. I have great students. Yeah. Um, can they can they make sustainable art for our uh, sustainable art competition at, the, at my school, Santee High School? Potentially. I have one student who's an, a very avid cyclist who did a Velo Lab, which is a biology lab that attaches to the bi- back of his bicycle, which maybe is sustainable, huh. but it's it's a pretty yeah. great um, piece. And That sounds really interesting. Yeah, and we, we, I rode it back to Pomona with him um, a few weeks ago. It was mm-hmm. out in a DIY bio conference at UCLA. Mm-hmm. And um, no, it's back. Well, we're going to have a show of the sustainable art that we come up with. So if we could borrow it, that when would is be that great. going to be? Um, hopefully, we're trying to get it at the at, at City Hall on the twenty third, and we have to have that confirmed. But twenty third of oh, it's April. Ooh, yeah, I don't know. It's very soon. But we're going to try different venues too. Yeah. Um. But um, thank you so much for being the founder and the continuer of Bike Night at the Hammer. That oh. is really great. Yeah, it's awesome. I hope a lot of people come and then come back to the Hammer. Okay, so I'm going to take us out with, I think we have a speech from Ryan Snyder, and this was also from the L.A. Street Summit, from um, L.A. Street's blog. So thank you, Lisa, and here is Ryan Snyder from the L.A. Street Summit. Clients in the audience, I'm putting my advocate hat on today. I do know where to separate the two. 
Uh, but today, um, for this talk, I'm going to be uh, an, an advocate. Um, in the meantime, while I'm talking, you're going to be looking at slides, and this is just going to go in a circle. And you're going to see a group of slides that are what I will call dead streets, that are the result of some, a lot of the policies that have been active regarding our streets. And you're going to see some streets that I will call living streets, and contrast the two. And these really represent two very different visions of our, of our streets. And I'm hoping that we can understand that there are ways of changing our streets and adopting the living streets um, sort of um, paradigm. These cities and streets don't happen by default. There are policies and actions that, that, that make streets become what they are. Furthermore, on the other side, we never voted to make the car king. There was never a vote taken that said, do you want the car to be king of all your streets and your public space? And we said, oh yeah, sure, we voted for that, and that's what, that's what we got. It just kind of happened by circumstance. The car came in, and we never really thought about it too much, and we made some space for it. We said, maybe we need to make some more space. It's getting congested, we should make some more space. So, um, But now we realize that. It's time to start thinking about, well, is this the best use of that space? And is there something better we can do with it? And is this really how we want our streets to function? Uh, so, um, a little bit of history. I became active in the 1970s on bicycle planning issues. And uh, at that time, we had, there were a few people around who were sort of the League of American Bicyclists type, League of American Wheelmen at that time, who were advocating for making sure that bicyclists had rights to the streets. And that was a very important battle, and, and the state finally got some funding for bike lanes and things like that. Prior to that, um, really, there was this movement after World War II in the 50s and 60s, not only in California, but throughout the world, where everybody thought that the auto was the mode of transportation for the future. And even in Europe, these beautiful old streets that were never planned for cars, they started doing making accommodations for cars. But it was about the 70s when uh, Copenhagen, Holland, and Denmark, two other places, started to think differently, and even a little bit in uh, the United States. But not a lot going on. And I used to go um, to city council and department transportation meetings and planning meetings and SCAG meetings and, and just trying to get the word bicycle um, integrated into some of the documents so that they would start to think about it. And, and people thought I was nuts. You're bicycling for transportation? What is, what is up with that? But it was a, a very, I should say, lonely experience at that time because there weren't many people in it. And... Um, I really enjoyed going to conferences, national conferences, and I would meet 300 people who actually had the same philosophy and the same ideas, and it was always really refreshing and, you know, and supporting me to, to go to these conferences and come back knowing that um, you know, there are still things and other people out there. Well, this movement has grown quite a bit since then. In the 90s, we had Santa Monica produce, I did the first transfer, bike plan for the city of Santa Monica, which was one of the first in the country of its type at that time. And certainly after the passage of a new transportation bill in the early 90s, the federal government provided a lot of money for bicycle transportation. And we formed the California Bicycle Coalition in the early 90s. Later on, the Los Angeles County Bicycle Coalition in the late, I guess it was late 90s, and we were very lucky to have Ron Milam uh, agree that 
that he was willing to put some of his own personal time and risk his livelihood in getting this thing started, and, and it did. And in 1998, DeVore Murphy started L.A. Walks. And, and this was happening at a time, by the way, when Europe was, by this time, building all kinds of bike lanes and bike paths and connections and transit stops and all of that. And Palo Alto and Davis and a few cities were way ahead of the game. But um, many, many uh, places were just really getting started. A large group of um, communities were starting bicycle advocate groups. And Charlie Gandy here was hired by the uh, Bicycle Federation to go around the country and get those groups started. So that was all going on. And then come the late 90s, the public health folks got involved. And I said, this is a public health issue. People are overweight. And we need to start getting involved with this. And boy, they gave us a huge shot in the arm because we were always advocating on environmental grounds, which was good, but the public health folks just really helped out a great deal. And then, um, I, I'm, I'm leaving out a whole lot of things, but things really picked up in the last decade. Um, I think the Inconvenient Truth, Al Gore's movie, was maybe a huge turning point because it was sort of about that time when I noticed a very different reception when I go to groups and talk about these things from before when people thought I was crazy and fringe and all that, and being my head against the wall to try to get people to listen about bicycles as being a mode of transportation, and suddenly people were open. And when I go out and talk about these things now, it's a very different world out there than it was even three or four years ago. Ten years ago, if you would have had um, people invited to a bicycle plan meeting in Los Angeles, you might have gotten eight or ten people. Um, a year and a half or so ago, there were a hundred people at the LA City bike meeting. And in Pasadena, we had workshops, and we were getting 40 and 50 people out to workshops there. So things have changed a great deal. This movement started as bicycles. It moved about, you know, later on, pedestrians. Uh, sort of came on board. It used to be about bike lanes, and then it was about sidewalks and crossings, and then, then it sort of evolved and became smart growth and new urbanism. We started to broaden because when you think about walkable communities, it goes much beyond sidewalks and bike lanes. Then it's evolving into complete streets. We're thinking about all users and all modes on the streets. And then it's now living streets, where we're taking complete streets and we're adding sustainability onto that, and we're starting now to think of our streets as public space and not just a conduit for moving cars. This movement is going on not only in LA, but it's going on nationally, and it is a global movement. I was just in Bogota, I rode in the Ciclovia, I saw the bike paths there, I saw new bike paths in Buenos Aires, in Santiago. This is happening all over the world, we've got a lot of company. But across the country, 20 years ago, I can tell you that Portland, Oregon had about the same mode split as most for bicycles and pedestrians as most cities across the country. They were about 1%. Portland, Oregon made the investment, and today their, their counts are around 7 or 8% of bicycles. It has transformed that city, and you feel it immediately when you get there. Things that are happening in New York. 20 years ago, L.A. was ahead of New York and Chicago, and they have surpassed us by leaps and bounds. L.A. is getting behind these other cities because we're not doing enough. Now, what sort of campaigns do I think we ought to be engaging in? Uh, one of the first is, um, I think we need to have a transformation of the culture at the Department of Transportation in the city of Los Angeles.
people there, and the department isn't what it used to be, but it needs to do what New York is doing and change. So instead of this visions like these dead streets, which with the policies that they're promoting now that we get, and start to think about streets for people and prioritize that way. And that's something Antonio Mayor Villaraigosa. He's not doing enough. We have a petition going around that if you can sign it, it would be a big help, that are going to, to the mayor to tell him we would like him to initiate that culture change in the Department of Transportation. Second of all, we need to get a larger piece of the funding pot. We are still getting much more than we had before, but it's tiny. We have just spent a billion dollars in this county adding a uh, carpool lane on the San Diego freeway for about eight miles. And the same policies Metro is planning, there's lots of freeway expansion planned, they're planning an extension of the 710 to connect up to Pasadena, which is going to cost billions of dollars. For one billion dollars, we could essentially double the lost bus fleet in Los Angeles County. Or we could uh, build about 500 to 1,000 miles of bike path. Or about 20,000 miles of bike lane. Or about the same bus lane, which we would never need this much. Um, or we could retrofit something like 15,000 intersections with curb extensions and crossing islands so they would be safe for pedestrians. Essentially, we could retrofit almost the entire county with most of the bicycle and pedestrian infrastructure and a lot of the bus infrastructure that we would need. That would make a much bigger change and improvement in this county than another lane, that they, not a sixth lane on the freeway, which is just going to fill up in a year or two. Third, we need to get into what I call the DNA of our streets. Every city has a street manual, the road, the road uh, book. We need to get into those road books and change the thinking that's in them. They have the lanes, the number of lanes, the street classifications, the width of the lanes. We need to get in there and do what New York and Portland and other cities have done and put a very different philosophy into those road standards. And then just a few other types of things. I think we ought to advocate for a lot of bus lanes. I think uh, we have maxed out many of the streets where we've got space for bike lanes, and we have to start being more aggressive if we want to complete a bicycle network. More road diets and bicycle boulevards, I think, are really have to be the way of the future here. And then I also think um, um, this whole issue of reclaiming some of our street space and repurposing it for, for park space, linear parks, and just adding small areas of greenery and curb extensions and outdoor cafe seating and things like that are something we need to work on. And eventually, I hope we get to the point of doing the shared space that they're doing in, in Europe, which is in most European cities where the streets are really, cars are allowed on some of them, not all of them, but even if they're allowed, they have to go at the speed of pedestrians and kids are allowed to play and we have cafe seating and some other things like that. Now, a word about traffic engineers. Um, they are important players in all of this. They have necessary skills that we need to use. In fact, I'm looking at probably bringing one on my practice. Um, but, and there's a growing number of them that are very progressive. Rock Miller that's doing the work in Long Beach and, and a growing number of them that are really thinking very differently. However, too many of them come from a tradition of moving cars, that's what they've been trained to do. They will move as many cars as fast as possible. They are not thinking about 
climate change or the senior citizen who's trying to cross the street or a livable neighborhood or anything like that. Worst of all, we have punted all the decision-making of our streets to them. In other words, I can't tell you how many times there's a proposal to do something different with a street, to restrike, to add some space for bike lanes, or to improve the crossing for pedestrians, or something like that. And everybody in the city, whether it be the planning department, the city council, the city manager, what does the traffic engineer say? Well, the traffic engineer doesn't like it. I guess we can't do it. Not feasible. Traffic engineer doesn't like it. We shouldn't allow them to make all the decisions. They're an important player in informing us about the consequences of different things, but Planners, architects, landscape architects, neighbors, residents, businesses should all have a say in designing our streets. We shouldn't punt all those decisions to them. Now, you all need to show up at public hearings. Um, I can remember back in the early 90s when I was doing the Santa Monica plan. Um, we had about a group of about eight bicyclists that were going to come out and support it at a public hearing. In the meantime, one of the bike boulevards that was in that plan was along a street, and some resident got a hold of it and didn't like the idea and made up a lot of stories about we were going to pull out trees in their neighborhood, we were going to take out all the on-street parking, we were going to do all these terrible things. And they went around and stirred up about 200 of their neighbors. And they went to that hearing. And the eight bicyclists got timid and didn't speak up. They didn't say a word in the hearing. Those people want the, the hearing. Now, I recently went to a hearing for the Wilshire bus lane and there was a group of angry residents on Wilshire Boulevard that didn't want this bustling. I was talking to them before the, before the public meeting. There just happened to be a lot of supporters of the bustling there at the meeting who got up and spoke in favor of it. And when it came time for these other people to get up to speak, their comments were very tempered and they didn't say much. They got outnumbered. We, we will have opponents when we try to take lanes away from cars and we try to rededicate streets. There will be opponents, but we need to let the elected officials know and the policymakers know that we are there to support them and give them something to hang their hats on. We need to call our city council members. I recently had a conversation with my city council office said, you know, there's, he's not doing enough. And what I heard back was, you know, for every call we get like yours, we get 50 calls from people who want to do something about congestion and want to widen the street. So we need to let our electives know that there's something different out there. We need you all to join these advocate groups. There's the LA County Bike Coalition and Cycle and all these great groups that are in our program. Join those groups, become active in the campaigns, and become part of this movement. Ride a bicycle. The more of us that are out there, the more it will be seen, the more bike lanes we'll get, the more it just changes the quality and character of the streets. And then, I, I want to say that no more excuses for Los Angeles. I can't tell you how many times I've heard... <laughs> ...conversations. Look, San Francisco's doing something. Look at what Portland's doing. Look at what Seattle's doing. Well, you know, we're LA. We're, we're different. We're, we're, we're bigger than they are. Well, what about New York City? They're twice as big as we are. Well, but they're, you know, forget it. No more excuses for the LA. Minneapolis, Seattle, and Tucson are all doing a lot more than Los Angeles are. And what do those three cities have in common? Minneapolis, Seattle, Tucson? Political will. And that's what it comes down to. And again, we need to let our electeds know that we're there. And don't be shy anymore. Um, the early days, you know, we were 
kind of shy about how to pretty please we have a million dollars for bikes. We don't need to be shy anymore. Look, the old way gave us climate change, they gave us obesity, they gave us streets that are unsafe, they gave us neighborhoods where we don't know people. That old way failed. And we shouldn't be shy. You know, this is the, you know, the images, but they gave us that the old, the dead streets. We shouldn't be shy about saying, no, that's not acceptable anymore. So, um, in closing, um, I recently had a conversation with somebody who's just become active in this arena. And she said, boy, this seems like such a daunting task. It seems like an uphill, uh, an uphill battle. Should I even get involved in this? And believe me, today is nothing uphill like it was in the 1980s and the 1990s. The slope of the hill has gone from this to this. And just within the last few weeks, um, we had somebody organize Fun Day Sunday, where she closed off two blocks of her streets for kids to go out and play, and neighbors to get to know one another. Just this week, Secretary of Transportation Ray LaHood made this statement. Today, I want to announce a sea of change. People across America who value bicycling should have a voice when it comes to transportation planning. This is the end of favoring motorized transportation at the expense of non-motorized. Yesterday, we found out that the County of Los Angeles Department of Public Health got a $16 million grant to fight obesity. And a lot of that money will be going to communities to work on policy change for active transportation. <clears throat> on Thursday night, over 400 people came to see Jeanette Sidekon speak. And today, we had about 500 people come to hear this. This, this folks, we are on a roll. Things are going. We're near the top of the hill. So that was Ryan Snyder, and we've heard from several people from the L.A. Street Summit from last week at Trade Tech. We had Lisa Auerbach on the show, talked about the April 8th Hammer Night, and we had Chicken Letter talking about the Feel My Legs ride with uh, Swarm tomorrow, meeting at uh, Sunset in Terrena at 8 a.m. So this was Bike Talk. If you're listening on the podcast, it's kpfk.org. Our contact is livebiketalk at gmail.com. And that's about it for this week. We'll see you next time at live on killradio.org every Saturday, 10 a.m. to noon. So we can
Paycheck is over. 